the suitcase from the van Cause if you want the best But you don't ask questions Then brother, I'm your man Cause where it all comes from is a mystery It's like the changing of the seasons And the tides of the sea But here's the one that's driving me berserk Why do only fools and horses work? La 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 Oh, shut up, you tart. Bob Martin, and welcome to a new episode of Only Goats and Horses with Bread Roll and JT. Bob Martin, indeed. I thought you were going to say James Martin then, the older. Yeah. <laughs> it is James Martin, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a tenuous link before we start. Old um, Dan Parkinson, who does our theme tune, um, the opening theme tune, he's actually currently touring with James Martin's band, which is pretty fucking random. I didn't even know James Martin had a band, but he does. And Dan is currently touring with them. So there we go. And thanks to Dan, as always, for doing our theme tune. Um, right. And that was um, totally unplanned, that link. So there we go. It worked quite well. So hello, everyone. And uh, today we are looking at Series 4, Episode 5. And this one's called Sleeping Dogs Lie. And it aired on the 21st of March, 1985. And this one had a whopping, apparently, 18.7 million viewers, which is fucking massive and about 3 million over the most we've ever seen, Brad Ross huge isn't it that is good yeah i mean that's fucking massive um it's strange as well because this episode uh without giving i know we don't rate them or anything but it's not one of my favorites i don't mind it but it's not one of the ones i'd say is one of the best episodes that has a few memorable moments but this shows how it's really fluctuating throughout this particular series because it's kind of been dipping up and down all over the place hasn't it it has yeah i mean this is what we've been sort of around the 13 for the whole of this season i think or series sorry, i'm being american i think we saw a 15 odd for the first couple maybe 13 for the last couple but i don't know maybe we get introduced to obviously marlene in this if anyone didn't know who's obviously goes on as i'm sure everyone does know to be one of the biggest characters in the whole saga maybe it was hyped that there was going to be a new character this this week but Apparently Marlene, or Sue Holderness, who plays Marlene, was only supposed to be in this one episode anyway. She wasn't actually going to be a, a recurring character, but people obviously liked her. And I'm glad they did, because I fucking love Marlene. I think she's brilliant. Marlene's amazing, yeah. And she's got, there's so many like great little like stories and plot elements connected to her and everything. Um, some of them probably would be frowned as like most things, because people like to frown these days, don't they? But again, like some of the mm. kind of references they make towards her probably wouldn't go down very well these days with a modern audience. Um, the, um, the woman who plays her, is she, was she an actress prior to this, or this is one of her early roles? Because I'm wondering if it is hyped up she was in it, maybe she was bringing us like a fan base with her, perhaps. Very good shout, Bradwell. And my research is not great. I don't know. Let's have a look. Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, I mean, this was 85, wasn't it? She'd been in Minder, um, The New Avengers, uh, only one episode, mind. Um, a few other things I've never heard of, Fly Into Danger and Tightrope in the early 70s. Looks like she was in a few episodes of those. So she had been definitely in things before, but I mean, Minder is probably the biggest, but that was only one episode. So, yeah, she she was kind of known, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, back then, obviously, as we've said before, there wasn't the internet, so there wouldn't have been trailers or clips leaked before it came out. So maybe they hyped it up in the press that a new character was appearing. I don't know. But it's a huge leap in viewers anyway, for whatever reason. Yeah, absolutely. And also just to think of things as well. The um, I know we've had lots of side characters, but it's, it's quite a male-heavy show, isn't it, really? You've got like Rodney... Um... 
Dell, Albert and or Grandad, most of the side characters that are kind of reoccurring, Mickey Pierce, Trigger, Boise and that, they're all blokes, aren't they? I mean, Marlene's probably, well, is the first proper female character that enter the series, obviously becomes reoccurring. And later on, we obviously get like Raquel and Cassandra and such. Yeah, it's a very good shout, actually. Obviously, we did have uh, Kareen for one episode. Um, obviously, for reasons we talked about, she never came back. Um, yeah, it's a really good shout, actually. It's a very male-driven cast, isn't it? I mean, it's only... We meet Raquel briefly in a special, but then she doesn't come back for a couple of series. Um, Ra- uh, Cassandra actually appears again, I think, before Raquel. But anyway, that's a few uh, weeks down the line on that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Should we have a look at the old synopsis then, Brad Roll, this episode? It's quite a beefy one, and it is uh, pulled from the Only Fools fan wiki, this one. Also, we just before we start saying it's the first appearance of Marlene, on a random note, it's also the first appearance of Duke, who does actually become a recurring character. Um, of the canine variety. He does, yeah. He appears a few more times, doesn't he? Good old Duke. He does indeed. So let's have a look then. Dale Boy is on the phone while Albert is trying to get a signal on the TV, seeing as Rodney has tripped the fiddle with the aerial. Rodney says there was a ghost on the screen. Albert says, of course there was. He was watching a horror film. Dale gets off the phone and he's been speaking to Boise, who has allowed him to look after his dog Duke while he's off on holiday for two weeks. They will get paid for looking after Duke. Dale says, Boise and his wife, Marlene, don't trust dog kennels. So I normally leave the intros of these pretty brief. Um, there's a, quite a fair chunk to go through after this. But that opening scene in the flat is quite funny. And what the fuck is the telephone balancing on? Those black things, there's a pile of them. And later on, Rodney throws something, knocks them down, or Dale does, one of them does. What are they? I've never known what they are. Do you have any idea? No, I was wondering that as well, because I was eyeing them up during this scene. And like you say, later on, Del Boy, like, just, I don't know even know what he throws at Rodney, just something. He sort of throws a few things, like you say, knocks a few of them down. But I really, I couldn't tell you what they are. Answers on a postcard to our listeners, if you know what the hell was in Del's flat <laughs> point in time. Yeah, I, I've never worked it out. And I've seen this episode countless times, and they do appear twice. And I'm just like, what is that pile of stuff that things are balancing on? There's one line there that was actually said in the synopsis. And I don't really like it. It's just a bit shit and it's like John Sullivan's writing's normally really good but when um Rodney says oh there's a ghost on the screen I was like of course there was I was watching an horror film I just don't think that's a very clever line I think that's a bit shit that line yeah it's weird I can see where the, obviously the comedy of it's coming from but yeah it's a bit of a strange one really when you've got Rodney kicking off and he's blaming everything going wrong on computers obviously in the next couple of series he totally changes his tune and goes on a computer course and that's what he wants to do for his career so he has a complete fucking full circle there I was thinking this um, during this episode because obviously we know Rodney's a bit of a kind of man of the earth, isn't he? Like, I guess behind some of these like um, environmental things, which is obviously not a bad thing in its own right. And he goes through a few of these phases, and this seemed to be like where this kind of begins in this episode, isn't it? He's like, "There's all these people unemployed, and all you do is sit there watching the TV." And I was like, well, "What do you want me to do?" Well, and he's got like no answer for it basically. But this is kind of the start of his sort of preachy kind of environmental goody two shoes days, isn't it? Really. Yeah, it is. I think when he meets Cassandra, he gets even more into that kind of thing. And that's mentioned by Dale a couple of times. Obviously, Dale's one of the most un-PC people on planet Earth. Um, you know, that's just the way Dale is. He's not malicious or anything. This is where we first sort of hear about Boise and Marlene trying to have kids as well. I mean, obviously, this is an ongoing thing now, pretty much throughout the whole saga. And they do actually end up having a kid, if you don't know. Um, but obviously, Dale's telling Rodney about them trying and everything. And that's why... Um, Boise got Marlene Juki because she couldn't have kids, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's obviously just sort of take her mind off and that. And I I think it's, is it here where um he says, yeah, like he's, um no, because I don't know he's a great Dane yet, but later on they find out like the dog costs like 600 quid. 
Um, oh, he says yeah. the dog cost him 600 quid, but they don't know it's a Great Dane at this stage now. Because he's like, yeah, it's a pedigree, no pucker stuff, no rubbish. And I was thinking, you know, 600 quid in nowadays, a pedigree, like proper pure breed Great Dane would cost you like fucking two grand or something like that. You know, it wouldn't be fucking cheap. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose 600 probably with the way inflation worked and everything probably would be about two grand in today's money. But you know, Boyce is not going to go out and buy some kind of mongrel, is he? He's going to buy some fucking pedigree thing. He's just so snobby. Yeah, and also I love those comments. Like I told Boise, if he'd have come to me, he'd have gotten it a lot cheaper. And it's like, fuck knows what you'd end up with. He went to Dell and said, I want a dog for Mark. Fucking God knows what you'd end up with. He'd have got a cat, wouldn't he? Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I doubt if it'd have been a dog. And they're charging um, Boise 60 quid a week. And they seem quite excited about that. And again, obviously, 60 quid a week is not exactly going to pay the bills these days, is it? Yeah. And we get that classic... Um, it's something that both Boise and Rodney do quite a lot because they're saying, like, oh, like, what are the neighbours going to tell him? You know, that they saw Rodney going across the um, the adventure playground and walking the dog. And then Rodney's like, what do you mean they saw Rodney doing it? Just a figure of speech. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then he stops and pauses and goes, hang on a minute. Then does his fucking <laughs> reaction. <laughs> yeah, I've got exactly the same thing here. It's just, like you say, it's mainly Rodney and Boise do it, but it is definitely part of John Sullivan's writing. Um, so let's have a look then at... Um, the next part of the episode where we're going to actually get to meet Marlene. So Dell and Rodney go to pick up the dog at Boise's house in Kings Avenue. Boise wants Dell's word that he will look after the dog. Boise says he wishes he never bought the dog for her. What? This is literally just reading it as it is. But there we go. That's um. Thanks for that. Cause that didn't really make a lot of sense. But there we go. Marlene <laughs> then walks out with the dog. It's a Great Dane, not a puppy, as Dell and Rodney thought. Marlene says goodbye to the dog, but Boise is impatient to leave as they have a plane to catch to the Seychelles. As they drive off, Dale sees a big bag of food meant for the dog, plus some vitamin tablets. Dale sees the bag is full of steak, veal scallops, etc. And he says the dogs will get a tin of dog food every day and think itself lucky. Dale gets into the van, but as Rodney does, Duke growls. Dale says the dog is harmless. Rodney gets ready to sit down in the van, but Dale pinches his bum, and Rodney thinks it's the dog and runs off, while Dale is laughing. So that is the actual introduction of Marlene. I do apologise for stumbling through that because it didn't make a lot of sense, that line. I don't know why it was in there. I should have proofread this beforehand. But apparently, old Sue Holdness, I think I've said this before, basically John Sullivan showed her the script once and goes, there you go, pushed her out on set and then she started filming. So I don't think she rehearsed it. I think that when she first meets David Jason on set was one of the first times she'd ever actually met him like in real life kind of thing. And they just filmed it and it worked really well. And you can see the chemistry, they just hit it off straight away, don't they? Yeah, yeah, no, it's really good. And she is awesome. I'm glad they brought her back, as you mentioned earlier, because just the way it goes back and forth between her and Boise is fucking legendary at times. But she's got to be the only character in this entire saga that wears a bigger pimp jacket than Del. She comes out literally <laughs> wearing this big fucking Cruella de Vil thing, and Del's there like his whatever camel air fluffy thing. It's like they're competing to be the biggest pimp of Peckham. Yeah, that's right, actually. I mean, we get to see old uh, Boyce's house from the outside again. We see it a couple of times, and this seems a little bit more consistent than sometimes when we see the outside of the flat and the nag's head. I'm not saying it's exactly the same place every time, but it certainly looks more similar every time we see it, doesn't it? Yeah, I've actually got that in my notes here. I was thinking, do they actually use the same house all the time for Boise? Because, um, like I say, it literally always looks the same. I know when you go to these kind of, like, posh areas or like posh streets in certain areas the houses are of a certain style so it wouldn't have been too hard to find something that looks a bit more at market especially compared to bloody nelson mandela house but um it does look like they pretty much use that house all the time i was trying to remember the only time we see it from a different angle is the episode with bronco in isn't it that's the only one i can think yeah. where you see dell pull in from a different angle but it might well still be the same house 
Yeah, and there's also one of the later specials. I think it's uh, Strangers on the Shore, where Dale's cleaning Boyce's car. He's outside the house, isn't he? It's probably the only other time we see it. But definitely the Bronco episode, we, we get a good view of the outside there. Yeah, I was thinking as well, because like, obviously, um, just prior to this, like back at the flat, there was like saying, you know, Boise doesn't want to let, or Marlene doesn't want her dog to go to some like sort of like doggy shout or anything. She needs it to have like the proper treatment. And not being funny, like at this point, they don't know it's a Great Dane, but obviously Marlene obviously knows it's a Great Dane, it's her dog, and she knows where Dell lives. So surely she might have been a bit clued up to be like, hang on, Great Dane in Dell's like council flat. It's probably not going to work, is it? I've got both things here, literally. That I don't think Marlene would have trusted Del with the dog. I'm assuming she knows Del, although we haven't actually seen her yet. Obviously, Del and Boise know each other very well, so I'm sure Marlene knows Del as well, and she must know how bloody stupid Del is, to be honest. And also, yeah, the thing cooped up in that flat, which is, what, 13 floors up? Not exactly ideal for a dog, is it? Yeah, I mean, obviously... It- it's clear that Marlene does know Dell because like, as soon as she sees him, she gives him a big old smack oh, on yeah. the lips. He's squeezing her ass and everything. Oh, boy, he's just there like looking like he's just had like a sour fart or something. It's like, oh, I like your lipstick, Dell. <laughs> <laughs> you would though, wouldn't you? Dell literally fucking assaults Marlene every time he sees her. And I, can, I, I totally I agree with Boise getting pissed off with that because I certainly would. Yeah, but she's just as bad because it's like, She's like talking to Dell, and he's like, "Go on, kiss him goodbye," meaning the dog. And she just grabs fucking Dell and gives him a big old snog right in front of him. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so good. Um, I mean, countless times Dell and Marlene have some quite, I would say, passionate but quite full-on kisses, don't they? Throughout the whole thing. Now, well, now we've met Marlene, and obviously, we do hear the story that we've talked about quite often. We haven't actually seen the episode yet, where we hear that boy, um, Dell and Marlene did actually have a little thing back in the day. So, obviously, there's still a little bit of something between them there. There's a great line in this scene as well when Marlene says, about, oh, do you have a good Christmas, Rodney? I had a dog. And Rodney's like, yeah, we had the turkey, same as every other year. I fucking love that. Yeah, that is a great line. But it's also a bit weird as well because it feels like it's out of sequence because she's like, did you have a good Christmas? And it's like, well, the last few episodes, it hasn't been Christmas. Um, the Christmas special was at the end of the last series. So was this yeah. film, to go, was this supposed to go somewhere else or in the kind of, because obviously we know they had to chop and change it with Albert coming in. So was that supposed to be the first episode of this series? It just seems a bit out of place for her to say, did you have a nice Christmas? And it looks like it's like the middle of summer, almost. That's a really good shout, actually. I didn't think of that. And that's obviously Marley hasn't seen uh, Dell and Rodney for months. But then there's another thing there with the continuity. And we know this series was completely rejiggled about because of old, obviously what happened to Leonard Pierce. But... So Marlene wasn't at um, Grandad's funeral, and she definitely would have been, wouldn't she? Obviously, she wasn't a, a character written into the series then, but for continuity-wise, there's no way Boyce would have gone to the funeral without Marlene being with him. Yeah, because we just see him talking to Mike, don't we? And then he's on his own at the um, the wake, isn't he, really? Yeah. So, yeah, that's another good shout. Never thought of that until then, when you just mentioned about the continuity of Christmas, and that just pops into my head. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I do like it, again, the... the sort of back and forth between Boise and Marlene when he's like, did you switch everything? No, she's like, did he switch everything off? Yes. Did you turn the burglar alarm on? Yes. Did you lock up? Get in the car. He's so harsh to her, isn't he? <laughs> he's an absolute bastard. I've actually just got that on my notes here. It just says, get in the car. He's fucking horrible. <laughs> well, I love how snobby he's just like, we're off to the Seychelles. You ever been to the Seychelles, Rodney? <laughs> just like, you poncy little twat. Rodney then mugs him off a bit, doesn't he? Have we ever been to the Seychelles? Obviously knowing full well they fucking haven't, but he kind of sort of throws it back in Boise's face a little bit. 
<laughs> Del, when he opens that bag and sees the food, he's like a kid at Christmas, isn't he? His face completely lights up. I mean, it looks fucking horrible, that meat. I'm sure it was good back in the 80s. Yeah, it's a fucking massive bag of it as well. Um, I mean, fair play. I know dogs like that need to have um, like that sort of diet and everything. But yeah, he's like fucking going all over it. And I love the bit where Marlene's like trying to put Duke in the back of the car. It's like, if he bites you, don't scream. He's highly strung. <laughs> Rodney's like, are we allowed to bleed? Oh, don't worry. You won't sink his teeth in. <laughs> but when Duke barks, even Boise fucking flinches, doesn't he? He's like, whoa, like they're all fucking scared of this dog. I mean, it's massive, isn't it? Uh, great danger they're like fucking horses aren't they really especially for like a little chubby hobbit like me i could probably ride it into battle really but um <laughs> but um, there's a, a bit... bit wary of big dogs yeah yeah i am as well i love dogs you know in general but yeah i am a bit wary of the big ones just because like well you've got bigger bollocks to me to start with so that puts me off straight away <laughs> but um there's a bit like where the dog's in the car and it's like growling but you can tell the dog isn't growling it's just a sound effect over the top the dog's got like a really placid looking face and it's like I just love how they sort of fill those sort of sound effects in to make it seem violent, but the dog's got no body language to associate with it. Yeah, it's quite fake, isn't it? I do like the bit where um, Dale squeezes Rodney's arse and he fucking runs a mile. That's amazing. David Jason looks like he's genuinely laughing at like absolutely pissing himself. I wonder if they actually told Rodney or uh, David, oh, it's, I can't get his fucking name right now, Nicholas Lindhurst, that they were going to do that. But there's one bit where um, Rodney picks up the bag of food then he just puts it down and gets in the car and it's like that back by the back wheel. It's like, he's like, I'll oh, stick that in the van. And he just like fucking drops it. <laughs> I imagine if they put it in the back of the van with Juki, he'd eat the stuff anyway. I mean, it looks like it's frozen almost, but I bet he'd start having a go at it because he'd certainly smell it, wouldn't he? Mm. Yeah, definitely. But there we go. Anyway, let's have a look at how we uh, progress. The next day, they take Duke for a run in the park. Dale chats up a posh woman who has a small dog. Rodney tries to rouse Duke, who's in the back of the van, seemingly asleep, but Duke shows no sign of life. Rodney quickly alerts Dell, and they are relieved to see he is breathing. Dell and Rodney quickly rush Duke to the vet. The vet says Duke is not injured, but his illness is a total mystery. Rodney uh, reckons since Albert moved in, he has brought nothing but bad luck. The vet asks what food they have given him, and Dell says steaks, veal scallops and pork. They say they've warmed it up a bit in the microwave. The vet reckons the dog has food poisoning, such as salmonella poisoning, due to the meat not being heated up properly. When the vet asks for the pork to examine it, Rodney says Albert ate the rest for dinner last night. Dale phones Albert and says he has to go to the hospital as the leftover pork contains salmonella poisoning. <laughs> now, <laughs> there's a bit of a continuity error here, and I didn't pick up on this, actually. I'll give credit to the Only Fool's uh, wiki page for this one. So Dale obviously says, oh, Sam and Ella poisoning. But in the first episode, Big Brother, Dale actually says salmonella poisoning um, when he says about salmonella in chips, um, which frequently cooked by granddad. So Dale actually knows the word salmonella. So, I mean, a bit shit to pick up on that, but definitely a continuity thing there that the Only Fool's wiki page picked up on. Definitely, yeah. But I do like the whole salmonella thing. And there's a little yeah. bit of a, um, it's not a big thing, but on that wiki there, it says that um, they say Albert ate the food, but they don't find it out until they ring him. Um, they, um, ring him yeah. first if they can if he's still got it because like, oh you know that bit of pork in the um the fridge yeah pickle and something or other and then it's like, oh bloody hell he's eating it but so don't find that out until they actually call him yeah that's right there's a couple of bits actually that synopsis one bit i did change but i didn't pick up on that bit um because it said a few days later they take duke for a run in the park but we find out it's actually only the next day mm. uh, the vet asked rodney how long they've had the dog for and he says oh a day and the vet's like a day and rodney's like yeah it's not ours we're just uh 
looking after it for someone, obviously very sheepishly realising that they've just completely fucked it up. Yeah, and you get like when they go into the park when they obviously find Juki looking ill in the back of the van and everything. They were trying to chat up some like sort of posh woman, isn't he? With like some little yeah. corgi or something. <laughs> the bit when they're like, all right, we need to get Juki to the vets now. And Rodney's like, oh, should I grab his balls? You leave him alone, Rodney. He looks really pissed off enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that has been, I've got that here. And that that woman, I mean, again, it's a, it's not one of the best lines I don't think John Sullivan's ever written when she's like, they was like, oh, I know everything about dogs. And she's like, okay, what, um, my dog likes to chew the carpet or something, or we on the carpet, I can't remember what he does now. He does something to the carpet. What do you advise? And they was like, a new carpet. I just think that, like, it's not lazy writing, but it's just not, not brilliant, I don't think. No, no, it is a little bit weak there. And um, just chiming in now with bread rolls fashion <laughs> week, um, Dell <laughs> at this point in time, has got like a fire engine red V-neck jumper and a baby pink shirt on underneath, which absolutely clashes. And Rodney's wearing some fucking, makes him look homeless. It's some kind of really haggard-ass Parker jacket going on. <laughs> they're, just never, they're never in sync with each other with their fucking outfits. Well, Rodney always looks like he's homeless anyway, doesn't he? I mean, he's, you know, only at Grandad's funeral, he looked fairly smart. And then he had that bloody Parker jacket on over the top of his suit. Um, but I do like when Rodney comes running down that hill and Rodney's chatting up that woman who's like, the dog's dead. I don't mean to worry you, but I think the dog is dead. And you can see when Rodney sees it in the back of the van, it's breathing. Obviously, when they get back there, it's even more pronounced that it's breathing. But even when Rodney thinks he's dead, the dog is fucking moving. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit silly. <laughs> and just thinking about it as well, it's like, I'm surprised that three-wheel van can move with that dog in the back of it. It weighs a fucking tonne. <laughs> yeah right you wouldn't get Albert in the back as well as the van would you <laughs> definitely not <laughs> I, I do like it when um, they're back at the, they're, I think this is just when they get to the vets or just before they get to the vets I can't remember but <laughs> Dale says about um, catching the dog's head in the door did you did you, start, did you catch the dog's head in the door no are you sure Rodney well I think you'd know if you caught a bloody Great Dane's head in the door <laughs> yeah that's great one of those bit where um, they find out about like the pork and everything um and he's like, well, why don't you know about this, Rodney? You've got GCEs. I've got a GCE in mass and art, not a GCE in pork. <laughs> That's one of my favourite lines in the whole episode. I fucking love that. It's the way he says it as well. It's like, not a GCE in pork. It's fucking <laughs> brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> oh, and then, um, it's like, oh, fucking, the vets, there's some, so many good lines in this bit. Like when he says, oh, the dog's normal or something. What do you mean normal? Dogs hibernate or something. It's just like, and then obviously... <laughs> Del goes off on his random fucking, I don't know what he's talking about. And then Rodney's like, can we just talk about something normal? And then the the uh, receptionist comes out and does, oh, I wouldn't mind giving her one. What about you? Del's completely un-PC line of the episode. There's always one, isn't there? Yeah, because then he's saying, like, can't we talk about something more like aesthetical? I don't even know what he's trying yeah. to fucking say with that word, but yeah, it's quite funny. <laughs> I mean, she is quite nice, but um, yeah, Del's uh, definitely a bit un-PC there. And then we get the old... Uh, the, she comes out, the, the receptionist, oh, Juki's holding his own. You see, Rodney, he's up to his old tricks already. Yeah. There's so many good little <laughs> one-line quips in this. Although there's a couple of lazy ones, there's some really good ones as well. I don't know if um, this bit was covered in the synopsis of it, it's on the next bit, but there's a bit where they're back at the flat and they're just eating the grapes that they're going to get for Albert because he's gone to the hospital. And they've like, got this random box that they're like spitting the seeds into. I always wonder, is that supposed to be like an old-school tobacco box or something? Yeah, that is in the next part, and I've actually got got that as part of my notes. I think um, I think they're actually a thing, like grapeseed spitter things. I think I've seen them on like Bargain Hunt or Antiques Road Trip or something, that they were actually a thing. But obviously, way before the 80s, they were like, you know, 
hundred years ago or so, but it's very random, isn't it? And they just sat there going, spitting these fucking pips into it. And I wouldn't want to be the person who has to empty that. Yeah. It'd be like one of those like old school, like you see in Westerns and stuff, you've got like the tobacco spitting tins that I feel like, you know, that must be fucking horrible. The bastard has to pull all that out. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun at all. But <laughs> I like it again. That the, even the um, the vet gets involved in the old one-liners in this one when he comes out and he's like, oh yeah, Juki and all that, he's he's asleep or whatever, or he's ill. How long will it take, Doc? And he says about the bill, isn't he? He's like, um, oh, I'll, I'll send you the bill. How long will it take, Doc? Well, it shouldn't take long if I send it first class. So even he's yeah. getting involved in little one-line, one-liners. Yeah, it's good. But that vet's reaction when um, he said, um, Rodney says, oh, we had some pork last night or this morning from last night. But did you reheat it? Oh, we warmed it up a bit. And the vet's like, you warmed it up a bit? Oh, his reaction is just so shit. He's almost as bad as old matey boy from the longest night. Oh, I don't know if he's quite that bad, but yeah, it is very pantomime, isn't it? It also reminded me as well, a bit later on, um, there's a bit in uh, The Frog's Legacy when he's talking to a vicar and he's like, you left it in my vestry? That's yeah. what it reminded me. I was like, really fucking ridiculous. Yeah, actually, um, the guy who plays the vet is John D. Collins. If you remember him, he was the river cop in Ashes to Ashes. So he's um, another one who's had two parts in Only Fools and Horses. Oh, I remember you mentioning he appears a bit later on as well. But yeah, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> the vet's like, um, this pork, have you got it? Uh, have you still got it? And Ronnie's like, well, not on us. <laughs> I like that as well. There's just <laughs> some brilliant, brilliant bits in the vets. And also, <laughs> when Dell phones Albert, for a start, he does this in a later episode where he just grabbed the doctor's phone when in LA and in, in sickness and wealth, whatever it's called. But he um he goes, Albert, and stops and he's like, Ahoy there. Why did Albert make him say that? What's that about? I don't know. Again, all I can break that down to is maybe they're just still trying to establish the character and everything because he's phoned Albert, like I say, like a hundred times from like now before like the actual saga itself ends. And he doesn't say ahoy shit mate every time he calls him. No. And there's um there's another bit in this you picked up on this last week where um Dell split the money straight down the middle when uh with uh, Mental Mickey's band, but he does it here. Dell and Rodney are having bets on the phone about Albert, and D- Rodney wins one, and Dell literally gets the money out and pays him straight away, doesn't he? Just slaps it in his hand, doesn't even question it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That is when they're making those bets. <laughs> Normally, like Rodney's got no money anyway, so why is Dell making a bet of him? He knows he's not going to pay him. It's going to be his own money he's paying him with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's have a look at how the episode winds up. This is a fairly big chunk here, so I'm probably going to fall over it, but I'll have a go. Okay. That night, Dell and Rodney are back at the flat and Albert is in hospital having tests after eating the contaminated pork. Boise phones the trotters and Rodney coaxes Dell into pretending to be Duke by making barking and dog breathing noises down the receiver. Rodney gets off the phone but runs into the kitchen as an angry Dell throws books at him for making him impersonate Duke and knocks over those random things that we don't know what they are. The next morning, the Trotter brothers arrive at the hospital to pick up Albert, who complains about what the doctors were doing to him. But Dale has good news for Albert. There is nothing wrong with him. And Duke has also made a complete recovery and is back on his paws. Before the Trotters can leave for the vet, a doctor then shows him a bottle of pills given to him by one of the sisters and says that patients are not allowed to bring their own medicine into the hospital. Dale points out that those pills aren't Duke's vitamin... uh, Those pills are Duke's vitamin tablets. Rodney denies it and says he's got Duke's vitamin tablets and pulls out a bottle that looks identical to the other one. After seeing both bottles, Dale realises the truth behind Duke's condition. Rodney had been feeding Duke with Albert's sleeping pills and Albert had been on the Bob Martins. 
Albert says he feels full of vitality. Dale and Rodney decide not to tell Albert about the mix-up of the pills, and they say they need to be careful when Albert walks past lampposts and things. Dale then does dog impressions to Albert, such as, come on boy, when he's ready to leave the hospital. Albert looks on at them, perplexed. So that's kind of how the episode ends. There's a couple of scenes there sort of all mixed into one, but I didn't really want to split it up. Right? It's a fair chunk. But when they're at the flat, Dale's drinking these like little cans of Maccasins, I think it is, which is like an old sort of woman's stout almost. Definitely undale like Where's the cocktails? Yeah, I was thinking that. It's, like, it's very rare that we see, like we said the other week, um, when um, Red Strotter came back and they were like, he was like, on a beer or something. Or No, it was um, the episode where Rodney had spent all the money on fucking suntan lotion, wasn't it? Hole in one. And that was one of the rare times you actually see Dell drinking a beer because obviously he's low on cash. But normally when he's home, he's got the brandy, he's got the pina colada, he's got a lot of it, and he rarely see him drinking beer. Yeah, just thought that was a bit strange, particularly Maccasins of all things. I know um, Grandad gets him a, a Maccasins on the uh, Slow Bus to Chingford when apparently they didn't have a pina colada or whatever Dell drank. So maybe he does like it secretly. But yeah, I've, I've got that here as well. This is the bit where they're spitting the grape pips into that bloody thing, which is, like I say, some kind of weird antique thing. But why they put one, I have no idea. Dale probably got off the back of a lorry, I bet. Yeah, this um, this episode, it's, it's not bad up until this point. This is where it starts to get a little bit silly, for silly sake, yeah. almost to the point of being stupid. Like, when Dale's doing the dog noises down the phone, it's just, it's stupid. And then the way it ends with them sort of, like, making dog noises at Albert, I've never liked that. But one thing that kind of stands out to me a little bit is, like, Rodney answers the phone. He's like, yeah, who is it? Oh, it's Boise. And it's like, you'd know if it's Boise on the phone. The guy's got one of the most distinct voices ever. He'd be like, hello, Rodney. You're not going to mistake him for Trigger or something, are you? It's like, you'd know exactly who that was. Yeah. And Dale's like, Boise? <laughs> and they, he, he panics and spills his beer. And there's one thing I've always thought about this. And I know Rodney's not the brightest button or whatever. But so Boise phones and Rodney's first thing he says, oh, Dale, no, he's gone out. Juki, yeah, he's here. If I was Rodney, I'd have been like, no, Dale's taking Juki for a walk problem solved yeah you know yes. then, then they, obviously for comedy effect they wouldn't they would then not have to done the dog noises so it wouldn't have worked from a comedy perspective but definitely if i was running i'd have been like oh dale's taking boy uh Juki for a walk happy days but there we go he doesn't obviously and we know why because then dale has these stupid dog noises but again that's to marlene and boise passes the phone to marlene she'd have fucking known that wasn't duke for a start dale starts coughing yeah yeah it's it's just silly um like I say, it's not that kind of like slapstick sort of comedy we're known for it. Um, this show's known for it's just, no, it's just a bit stupid. And I just, I've never really liked that scene and the bit the way it ends either. But one thing that is quite funny is when they go to the hospital to see Albert and he's like, going, they've had tubes and all kinds in me. I've been turned every which way but loose. And then they're like, we got you some grapes, but we ate them. Oh, I see. I was led here, not being able to sleep with tubes sticking out of me. And all this time you two are eating my grapes. It's just the way he delivers <laughs> that line is fucking awesome. Yeah, that's a really good impression of it, actually. That, that actually sounded really like it. But yeah, I've got the same thing here. He's like, yeah, we we bought you some grapes. Yeah, where are they, Dale? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he says that quite often. And he makes it really clear as well, really obvious. He's like, oh, I've never felt so good in my life. I'm fit and full of vitality. Obviously really playing on the fact he's been on the Bob Martins. I'm sure they wouldn't do anything to a human. No, no, definitely not. And that's a bit here because you said it earlier on about like Rodney getting a bit spicy with Boise. He does it with Albert here. He's like, we did miss you last night. Yeah, yeah. We had no one to spit the pips at. And he yeah. properly fucking goes at him. 
<laughs> Rodney gives the old uh, nurse a, a quick look as well when she walks past and Dale's yeah. like, oi, oi, checking out the uniforms again. So that's an ongoing thing which pretty much continues throughout the whole thing, doesn't it, Rodney and his uniforms? Well, yeah, it kind of um, culminates with a classic Russell Crowe moment, but that's like miles away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that is classic, actually. That was on gold the other day, that episode. It does make me laugh, that. But uh, we'll get to that in good time. And um, uh, I don't know if you picked up on this quickly, um, just before I forget. Now, I'm not sure if this is right or not, but Dale's wearing a leather jacket in this last scene in the hospital, and it looks like he might have that bloody pink V-neck on underneath it. There's a little glimmer of pink underneath his jacket, but you can't really see it clear enough. But I think he might be wearing that one that you really hate. And it looked like it might have been sneaking in there, bread roll. Oh, God, the one that looked like fucking cowpole. Christ, I yeah, didn't even spot that. <laughs> uh, one thing I was thinking, like this bit at the end here, because um, we know John Sullivan, he has repeated jokes here and there, and he's like ongoing things with... um. Like Trigger and Rodney and stuff. He's got these sort of things he comes back to. This bit here, when like they mistake the um, like the Bob Martins for the, the sleeping tablets and the same thing, that just made me think of much much later on. And again, we get there when Albert mistakes the coffee for the gravy. You know, and then oh, yeah. um, Raquel's family. And again, it's the same looking tux, isn't it? Um, it's just that sort of joke all over again, but just done in a different context. Do you know what? That's a really good chat, and I never picked up on that. Yeah, yeah, spot on. John Sullivan does like to sort of do these things in sort of slightly different ways but plays on the same kind of thing yeah well spotted there Bradwell I never even thought of that um, and one thing as well this was I think a trait in particularly 80s TV because the vet's the same the doctor's got a really pseudo fake posh accent hasn't he he's like oh sister gave me these and the vet's kind of the same when he's like oh he's eating it they've just got these <laughs> stupid like they always have to be posh doctors and people like that in these programs don't they <laughs> Yeah, they do. And like you say, a bit early, earlier on, the guy was like, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. It's like, fuck, you know, yeah, it is a bit ridiculous. Um, I suppose, again, it's just done for comedy effect. But you can guarantee if you watch any, whether it's this, like say, any show from like the 80s or anything, anyone who's like a doctor or a fucking police officer, it's always had that really kind of poncy accent going on. Yeah, they sure did. Um, I mean, I haven't really got a lot to say about this. The, the end part when uh, they was like, come on, boy, come on to Albert. It's just, well, it's just a bit silly, as we've said. But um, overall, it's actually, apart from the last couple of scenes, I think this is a really good episode and some really good one-liners in it. And obviously, we finally get to see Marlene. She's been talked about a few times, so it's great to actually finally put a face to the name. And obviously, she becomes a household uh, favourite after that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was thinking that when I, when I put this one on earlier, I was like, I know I'm not a huge fan of this, um, but I did enjoy it, you know, a lot more. Like you said, like the one-liners and obviously the introduction of Marlene is obviously worth its weight in gold anyway. But yeah, the ending, it does kind of let itself sort of fall down in like the last kind of like section. It's just because it just goes too silly for my um, taste. Um, and like I said, that bit where they're sort of like, Dale was clapping, like, go on, here, boy, here, boy. It's just like, that's just fucking stupid. But overall, it is still a good episode in its own right. But I don't really have yeah. much more to say about it other than that, really. No, same. Just also, um, obviously, Albert, apart from Duke, really, is the main focus in this episode, but he's not really in it again a lot, is he? He wasn't really in last week's episode a lot, and we only get two scenes of him in this one, even though pretty much the story's all revolving around now, but... Yeah, that's true, actually. It's all just up to the antics of Dell and Rodney. And again, it might have been because it was shot slightly out of sequence and obviously shuffled around in the schedule or something. It's it's hard to know, really, but it still works. But like I say, he is the main focus, and he's only in it for, like, I don't know, like less than a third of the episode, really. Yeah, but... Like... As we said, not really much else to say about this one. It is quite solid and definitely, definitely worth checking out just for Marlene's first ever appearance. And if it is true that she was pretty much just thrown onto the set and told to act after looking at the script for five minutes, great job. And that's probably why they they got her back. And uh, 
yeah, brilliant stuff from old Sue holding us there. Absolutely legend, absolutely love Marlene, and um, yeah, plenty more um, comedy moments to talk about of her as we go on. But um, yep. if you do like this episode of Only Fools, Let Sleeping Dogs Lie, then let us know, or just let us know what you think of our show in general by getting in touch uh, with us at the Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. And if there's an episode coming up, we are doing these in sequence, so there's one coming up that you are a big fan of, let us know. And if you'd like to join us on the show, also let us know, and we'll see if we can arrange a time for you to join us for a recording. Indeed, yeah, brilliant. We can even record out of sequence and just obviously slot it in um, when it needs to be aired. So yeah, there's no, you know, you don't have to come on exactly the week the episode's due to uh, to go out. So yeah, let us know. It'd be brilliant to have someone on, have a different perspective on Only Fools. Yeah, it'd be good fun. Absolutely. So thank you as always for joining us. And for this week, it's Bread Roll signing off. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. I've got a coup! Off a genuine coup. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw. God bless Lucky Street, Viva Lucky Street, long live Lucky Street.